Hello, industrial marketing friends. From Gorilla76, the industrial marketing agency, this is the Manufacturing Marketer Podcast, a show dedicated to all the small marketing teams working at companies that make stuff. We are your hosts, Aaron and Brendan. And, you know, we're a marketing uh, podcast, but we know labor challenges are one of the biggest problems facing manufacturers today. Managing turnover, attracting top talent, and filling open positions is hard. And it's even harder when you don't have a big enough applicant pool. And it's expensive. Yes. And time consuming. Exactly. So that's where marketing can help. Uh, And today we're talking about marketing for recruitment purposes, uh, but it's not always as simple as promoting a job posting or designing a snazzy graphic. Uh, So our resident HR experts, Elise Gutman and John Franco, are here to weigh in. So Elise, John, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourselves? Elise, you first. Oh, all right. Uh, Hey, so um, my name is Elise Gutman. I'm the Senior Employee Success Executive here at Gorilla. Um, I don't know. What else should I say? Uh, I've been here for two and a half years. Um, I have a an atypical background that led me to HR, which I think is a lot of people's HR stories. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be and here. And you are SHRM certified. I am. I am a SHRM certified professional. Which which leads into my intro. I, I'm John Franco. I'm one of the co-founders at Gorilla. I am not SHRM certified. And I think it's a perfect example of as you grow a company, you have to start putting people in seats and taking those hats off you've been wearing and give them to other people. And Elise has been wearing this hat and doing a really great job of it. Um, and those are just normal growing pains you go through, right? So anyway, and for those that can't see, Aaron has had a cat walking across her keyboard, <laughs> which is amazing that uh, you probably couldn't even tell, but that was, that was fun. Now the cat's out of the bag. I know. Wow. <laughs> the bag and I'm I'm take. I think like the big thing for the audience to know is you two have like just been on a fury of hiring for like the last year here at Gorilla. And John, you have a podcast now where you're talking to other, uh, you know, people in the HR manufacturing space. And so we just wanted to bring you guys on and just have a conversation of how does marketing really just play into this um, very strong function on the HR side. But, you know, I think we think marketing kind of probably touches a lot of functions and we could definitely help uh, making sure we bring on the right people and we continue to build strong cultures in manufacturing companies. That's really what we want to talk about. Yeah, well, and I, I think like I'll just. At the end of the day, you're trying to sell something. You're trying to sell an employment experience, um, why your company is a good company for someone to come join. So, and at the root of selling is marketing. So it it is marketing. It's just a different audience is all it is. So how are you kind of seeing manufacturers and industrial companies approaching recruitment and that, that marketing of the job today? It's a great question, and I, I'll I'll jump in just because I probably have had a little more exposure, um, but not but not a ton. Um, but just based on my podcast, etc. Um, Elise and I are in the weeds of hiring right now, so we're almost like tunnel vision right now. But <laughs> I, I think it's like anything else: the the companies who are doing it well are being transparent. Like to me, that's that's the word for 2024. Unfortunately, I don't think it's stuck in 2023 for some companies. They're still hiding so much. And, and that's something I don't understand. For for instance, we have our handbook online. That is something that absolutely shocks people. 
And I don't understand why, because it's something that I give to an employee. The employee could publish it online anytime they want. I mean, these things could get printed out and handed out if you know, you're trying to bore people to death. But um, those little things make such a big difference. And, and I think when, whenever I get on a manufacturer's website and I start to look through their careers page, there's still so many unknowns. And for an industry that for so long has been plagued by the, what is it, the dark, dirty, and dangerous, those, those three Ds, that's no longer the case in most manufacturing facilities, yet you don't see that. Mm -hmm. The perception is still, oh, this is some dirty, dangerous job, um, but but it's actually the opposite, um, at, at least when it comes to transparency. I mean, what what else am I missing that we're really transparent about here at Gorilla that I think personally that, that could really benefit a manufacturer? I mean, I think it's hard, right? Because like we're transparent about things, but not just from um, like the candidate's perspective, but like once you get hired, there's really not a lot that we keep close to the vest. Um, and I think, I don't know, you know, that that's all dependent on like what type of business you want to run. But I think in my experience, especially at Gorilla, more information is better than less. Um, I think we see that play out in how people respond to change, which we're going through a lot of right now. Um, I don't know. I mean, transparency to me is just always better. Like I equip your people with information that they need because they're going to need it at some point anyway. Yeah. And, and just like your goal is to hire the right people, it's also to keep the people who maybe it's not a fit for out. And right. some of those things you might be hiding, all of a sudden they realize week, week three or week four, you right. could have saved everybody a lot of trouble by just being upfront early on. Absolutely. Like I do um, 30, 60, 90 day check-ins with all of our new people. Right. So almost always I ask them like, Hey, um, is this the job that you thought you were signing up for? And people chuckle and then say, Oh my gosh, yeah, I love it here. It's great. But like the reality is that that's not always typical. Um, we've probably all had jobs where we've been there for, you know, three months or six months and we go, now, wait a second, this was presented way differently during the interview process. Or why weren't they more upfront about X thing? Um, I mean, I feel like I read about that sort of stuff all the time too with, um, you know, I follow a bunch of different HR professionals and people talk all the time about how, you know, this role was advertised at this level at this salary. And then a person gets through the interview process and it's not that. And it's like, guys, come on. It's just it's way easier to just be honest. Hmm. It's better for everybody. And I, I think building off that, I, I recently had somebody from, there was a group called, there's a group called Rust Belt uh, Recruiting. They're, they're uh, kind of out of, um, I believe they're out of Ohio. Um, but Nate, Nate Stansberry was, was the guest and, and he spoke a lot to how, and, and I grew up in a blue collar town, Granite City, Illinois. And for a long time, it was like, that's just, we had a big steel mill and that's just what you did. Like mm -hmm. you went there. And so I think a, a lot of these older companies that have been established for a while, they're used to holding the cards. Oh, and yeah. now you have a shortage of people who are entering the trades. Yes. Uh, that, that, that's, that seems to be changing, but I mean, we still have a big gap to, to make up. So I think the more that you can look at it like, 
hey, I'm not holding all the cards anymore as the hiring person. I, I got to work hard to get good people here. I mean, that's how we've always thought about it at Gorilla. We're now in a position where we're getting a lot of interest for jobs, which is becoming problematic almost in another <laughs> way. But give me that any day over like you're just trying to find two or three applicants to just find, you know, pick one of three people. I mean, you're, you're kind of setting yourself up for failure there. So anyway. But John, that's a good point. I mean, we talk about this on, you know, marketing our company's products and services. The buyer has a lot more power than they did even, you know, five, 10 years ago. Uh, there's just so much information online and so many forums and reviews that you can go and learn about a, uh, a product or service. And it's the same thing with a company, right? Glassdoor, mm -hmm. you know, things on Reddit, things on Facebook, things on LinkedIn. Like people are talking about their experiences at work and it's getting harder and harder to, to hide all of that, uh, even for manufacturing companies. And to build on that, when, when you do it right, it's like a cheat code because you've got people openly talking about how great you are that are yes. not on your properties, right? But at the same token, if you do it wrong, those are also the people that are going to kind of throw the hand grenades and you're going to have a hard time recovering from that. So I think it's always like, I mean, this is so, this is like an adage at this point or, or whatever, but like, you got to put the people first that you just have. hundred percent, a hundred percent. Some of the things that I see in this space for hiring is, you know, a lot of manufacturing companies really good at manufacturing, really strong on the engineering side, really strong on the operations side. They are weak on the things that support the business, right? So we're talking things like accounting, things like marketing for sure, you know, maybe sales. A lot of them are good at sales, but are there just the sales kind of just pays the bills, but you know, HR is kind of weak or HR, like it's a lot of times like, you know, HR is a sub function of somebody else. And they're just not, they're not priorities, but it makes everything that you do so much harder if you're not good at those sub functions like marketing and, and HR. And it just makes everything that you do a lot harder. Like it's harder, harder to talk about your products. It's hard to talk about your company. Um, and it's just like a lack of talent in key positions that a lot of manufacturers probably don't think are actually key to their business. Yeah, I think that is absolutely true. I mean, look, Gorilla has been guilty of that ourselves. Now, I, what I will say is we were a small company and it took a while to outgrow that. And in a lot of ways, we're still growing through that. Right now, Elise is wearing an HR hat, but also an admin hat. I've seen, but that's a 29 person company. I've seen companies that have two, 300 people that have someone wearing an HR hat and a marketing hat. And, yeah. and I, it makes me scratch, scratch my head because I'm like, how, how can you possibly expect this person to, yeah. they're not related remote. I mean, Right. We started this out by saying how they are related, but um, if you're talking to customers versus talking to future employees, it, it's a totally different mindset. Right. And like both of those are in support of the business, but one is in support of um, finding and retaining customers. The other is in making sure that the people that are working at that company have support. Mm -hmm. Like I think as I've gone on, um, I don't know, that's... I feel like that's almost the biggest part of my job is figuring out how to support the people that make this company run. Like so how think, do I, how do I take care of those people? And I think that kind of just is the, like the baseline definition of what a company culture is. And totally. I think a big part of like, there is, we don't really have a problem with finding really good people at Gorilla because we have a really strong culture and we all want to talk about it. So I guess like John and Elise, as we're talking about the current state, 
do you see manufacturing companies with strong cultures that are attractive to potential employees? It's probably obviously a hit or miss, right? There's some companies that are much better at it than some others. Um, but like as the most part, you know, as you look at like manufacturing in general, does it seem like most companies have a pretty good culture that want to bring people in or is it um, not very strong and it's just a job? I, I would say based off my exposure, most would be an overstatement, but only a few would be. It, it's probably... It seems like 50 50. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know. That's not based on any data. That's just off the top of my head. You know, I can think of clients that we have that have amazing cultures. Cambridge Air Solutions, it, it's one of the best cultures I've ever seen. Um, I've gotten invited to go and experience what their, their morning meetings are like. Um, you know, I, I think of Mac Tech. Um, I think of several of our clients that just have great cultures. And, you know, typically that is driven from somewhere. To, I, I don't want to say it's driven from the top. I think it's the environment is created by the people at the top. And then you put people in the seats that can then can really grow that and, and really keep that feeling alive. Well, and I think too, like I think about when we first met the folks at MapTech, like it's not just that they have a good culture, but they really, I mean, they came to us because they wanted to foster a good culture. You know, they didn't want what they, they didn't want what was good to go away. Right. Like at least that's my memory. I mean, that's, you know, it's been a couple of years ago now, but you know, part of it's like, yeah, you want a good culture, but you also have to continue to foster it and nurture it and maintain it. And I think, um, it can be really easy to say like, oh, we did this one thing this one year. And it, um, I think it can be easy to kind of like, think you can set it and forget it. We have Um, a pizza party once a year. Yeah. Right. Place to work. Right. Exactly. But, um, it's not that. It's the support. It's checking in with your people. It's caring about them in a real and meaningful way. So obviously culture has a big impact on your ability to attract people. And that can be something that's really difficult to communicate when you're promoting a job. How has Gorilla leveraged marketing to kind of show our culture and use that to attract um, good fit candidates? Great question. I, I think, first of all, our I think our website is extremely informative um, in terms of, I, I hear that often from candidates. I have, you know, I've never seen a company willing to share this much. Um, I think other things that have, like that we've leveraged, like I think about our Instagram. It's not there to try to buy business for us. We're not, guy, we're not trying to get people to download guides. We're not trying to get people to do work with us. We're trying to get people to work with us and for us and on our team. And we do that. We use Instagram knowing that like a lot of the people following that account are people who are potentially interested in working here one day. So we we do showcase the things that we're doing, whether that's celebrating a anniversary, a birthday, a company event, something just funny that happened whenever we're traveling for clients. Um, you know, and of course, there's other channels as too. They as well. I, I paid LinkedIn. I it's a different paid LinkedIn world than you guys are in all the time, Aaron and Brendan. But I put money behind this latest job posting for a writer on Thursday. Last count, and I would be willing to bet since we've gotten on this call, we've had probably another applicant. I don't know, maybe not, but we. I think I counted two hundred and. I think it was 276, 277 about 45 minutes ago. And, and that Monday. was, and that it's been five days. Um, 
so I, you know, those LinkedIn paid channels are working it for us on the hiring front as well. Now, obviously in manufacturing, you're fishing in different ponds, but as an outdoorsman here, you guys thought you're going to make it through without an outdoor reference, but like you got to fish where the fish are, right? If you work in manufacturing, well, maybe it makes sense to, I, I remember one of our clients and I won't disclose their name just because it's a tactic they use and but they need people who love to work on things. Um, so where have they been looking? Uh, they go to things like the local dirt track where there's car races on Friday nights and people have their hoods popped and they're working on their cars. And what a great environment to try to fish where the so fish are, smart. so to speak. So smart. So, I mean, that's how I would answer this question, I guess. Uh, at least anything you would add or that I missed or. I don't think so. I, th I like your analogy though, fish for the fish are. I mean, that's it, right? Like keep it simple. That's like anything. I mean, it's good ad sell stuff. It's yeah. fish for the fish are. Like we overcomplicate so many things because we think it has to be complicated when, I don't know, a lot of times the answer is kind of right in front of you. Exactly. To me, Gorilla is a little different, but if, one thing that I really appreciated as I was considering Gorilla as a place to work was just how active people were on LinkedIn and talking about marketing. Uh, that was the thing that really attracted me here. Um, you know, manufacturing is a little different, right? Like it's a it's a mix of professional white collar type roles, and then you know you have the like, people that are like working on the things. Um, but so it's, it's it's pretty local, right? You're not like doing a lot of remote manufacturing or any, right? So that's a lot of local stuff. But I think like they kind of get to that point, right? Like you just have to. You have to do the things to attract the people that you want working at your company. And it's like what, what you just said, John, was great about, you know, doing that really local, going to the dirt track kind of thing. It's like, can you, how do you be creative and make yourself stand out from the crowd when other places aren't doing that? Like, I, I think if I was a machinist, like what? Okay, so maybe it doesn't make sense for me to be active on LinkedIn. Maybe it does. Um, I, I think going going back to there's kind of the front office folks and the people doing the work, I, I think the front office folks, I, I think those are have been easier to find uh, for our clients. I think it's the people doing the trades, but, you know, and, and again, I, there can be legalities, there can be different things around this, but if I was, a, if I were a machinist, I would probably have a TikTok showing like cool stuff I'm working on. And that would be my version of LinkedIn. Um, I, I think you just have to think like, where are these places where people, there is a group of people talking about this stuff or Reddit or, you know, again, maybe it is on LinkedIn. I don't know, but I, I think there are still creative ways to do it. Um, and I, I realize this is more for the marketers out there, but, um, you know, if, if somebody who's listening to this happens to be in the trades or, or want to get a career in the trades or whatever, I, I think there's still ways to do it. Uh, the best way to do that is probably if you have machinists, go talk to your machinists on your floor right now and ask them where do they spend time online, where do they go, yeah. and hang out with yes. the family, right? Like, customer like we do in the research. like we talk about, yeah, go do customer research with the people that you want to work at your company and figure totally. out where are the where do they spend time, you know, online and in real life. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Where are the fish? Yeah. Yeah, and as a marketer, <laughs> like that's where you can really come in and help HR because. HR may not have that background of like, you're almost like creating positioning and doing your same playbook that you would as a market for demand generation, just on the HR side. So I think there's like immense value in doing some simple things like go um, walk the shop floor and talk to your machinist and record those insights. Um, and you can translate them into different things like 
your job posting and promotions for jobs and like the careers page on your website, um, which are all things that we should maybe talk about too, um, that have to do with kind of this process that marketers can really help with. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And and thinking of the careers page beyond just that page, like we we try to throughout our website's copy, try to weave in copy. Like I know that people, at least the candidates I want to hire that I want working at Gorilla are looking beyond that one page. Yeah. Um, the people who are doing the bare minimum are looking at that page. So how do the other pages look too? I mean, I'm not saying they're your primary target on those other pages because they're not. But those other pages, people are still paying attention to that. So we try to like, one thing we do is like, our core values are woven throughout our site. Um, I think anyone can do that. Obviously, I would like to think, and I I have data that supports us. Like, I actually think we live up to those core values and they are really part of who we are. But reinforcing that in the website is just a very simple thing we can do to let the world know that we do those things. And that kindness, I've had numerous people say, I've never seen a marketing agency talk as much about kindness or a business period. And it's because it's really important to who we are as as part of our company DNA. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about the careers page, because I think a lot of times the person owning the website is in marketing, or at least marketing's owning a lot of the like copy and content that's on the website. Um, So do you have any like common pitfalls that you see with the careers page? Like, what are you typically seeing that's like a missed opportunity there? I'm sorry, Elise, I keep jumping in first. You're great. I no, just have, please. This is what happens when you ask a co-founder to be on a podcast. We have <laughs> so great. many opinions and thoughts. <laughs> you know, I think the pitfalls I see are people just phoning it in. People relying on that mindset from years back that the people in this local town want to work here and they're going to work here. And that's just the way it's been. I got news for you. People can take an online training for something, never leave their house and have a career the rest of their life. They're perfectly satisfied. And without going to college, without doing these things, they don't have to work for your company anymore. So I think where I see, and sorry if you guys can hear my dog drinking water in the background. He's a a loud drinker. While you're talking about trip. Uh, think about like in terms of like marketing competition, right? How many other places 30 minutes around you has a machine shop that machinists want to work at, right? Like I'm thinking about like where I'm at, you know, I'm 30 minutes from Minneapolis and 30 minutes from St. Cloud, Minnesota. Uh, there's a hell of a lot of places. If I was a machinist or somebody in the trades uh, that I could go and work at. Um, yeah. That is, you know, they're all fighting for me as an employee if I were to be a machinist, right? Yeah. So you have, to, you have to think about like who is in my area and what makes me a different employer than, you know, machine shop X down the street or, you know, across town. Well, and the ones that fail, I think, are the ones who just phone it in. They're like, um, here, like I see a headline about how it's a great place to work. And then two sentences to three sentences of body copy that basically says we're an equal opportunity employer. And here are, here's some links to our open positions, which then take you to a third party site, which that's what we do, but you have no control over that site. And then they just get this typically miserable application process. And they've left with no understanding of, yeah, you've talked about, you have benefits, but what are those benefits? Like, are you really telling them what those are? What portion of insurance do you cover? Do you not cover any? Okay, that's fine. But as marketers, we all know there are ways you can turn a negative into a positive and spin is such a negative 
word, uh, but you can put a spin on it that like still will help you sell without without playing the the, the mental gy- gymnastics that people have to try to figure these things out on their own and just assume the worst. Well, it's uh, the transparency element, right? right? Like if I'm if I'm upfront and honest and transparent about what it means to work at this company, whatever the company is, if I'm upfront about, um, you know, well, it's it, I was thinking while you were saying that. Um, about like, oh, on the careers page, it says like, oh, we're a great place to work. So what? Yeah. But is so anyone going to say they're yeah. a bad place to work? Oh, right. So right. like that is that is the marketing or the HR version of marketers saying we have great quality and customer service. Right. So what? Yeah. Show me, show me how, where, yeah. and why. Right. Put yeah. like, you know, put the cards on the table. Yeah. Show me what's up. And that gets back to what Aaron, you just said earlier, right? It, there is an element of positioning here, right? What is the thing that makes me different as an employer compared to all the other options that are around me? Yes. And then what is that specific outcome that an employee can get working here that they can't get anywhere else? Yeah. Right. We pay well. Okay. What's your starting salaries then? Let me know. Uh, Show me. And it's fine if it's not setting the world on fire, but tell me what that is. That way I don't get all excited. And then we talk and you're like, oh, we start people at 12 bucks an hour. Well, I can go do that at the local fast food place. Right. Transparency. Yeah. It's like talking about pricing of your products. People are always going to ask about it. You know, they're looking for that information on your website. Yeah. Why um, hide it? Mm-hmm. Well, it's, um, it makes me think of like anytime we're in a situation where we have to make a big decision. So, like, if I'm going to take a job somewhere, I want to have as much information as possible so that I can make the most educated decision for me, my family, my life. Like, employment is a big deal. Right. And like, I don't know, I think it, we do such a great service to people. If we just lay all that stuff out there, like I want people to work at gorilla because they want to work here and because they understand what that means. Not well, they, they went through an interview process, but they still don't know about how much they're getting paid. Um, what does growth look like? Like I want to get, you know, we want to give people all that information because it's, it's just better. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So. The careers page is one place where you can kind of start to communicate this culture and this information. The job posting itself is also a really important place to put that. And I think a lot of times the HR department is probably writing the job description themselves, maybe with some help from the person who's directly hiring from that role. But I'm kind of curious, do you think there's opportunities for marketing to make job descriptions stronger and more attractive to candidates? Ooh, what a good question. I think what I'm thinking about is um, like my own experience at Gorilla. I don't write the job descriptions, which is a good thing because I don't know what it means to be a strategist. Similar to like if I was working um, at a at a machining company, I don't know what it means to be a machinist. The person who is either in that role or the person that's going to be um, managing that person should be the one writing that job description. And if they want help from marketing to help like, um, I don't know, like cut it in half and cut it in half again so that it's really succinct and it's really just capturing um, like what that role is in essence rather than all of the minutia and the details. That's something that I struggle with when I read other job descriptions at other companies. They're listing every single possible thing that that person might do. And that's not really what you want to do, right? Like yeah, you, you- want to just... 
you want to understand like the the overarching elements of what is it going to be like to work at this place and in this particular role. What were you going to say, John? Well, I was just going to say it is a lot like writing and that you want to be as detailed as possible while still making sure every word matters. Um, yes. So like you'll look at our job descriptions and people may hear that and then look at our job descriptions and be like, well, theirs are actually really thorough. Yes, they are thorough. They also could be even more thorough if we really wanted them to. But we have we've responded to what we've heard people say where they want to know what well, what does 30, 30, 60, 90 look like? What is where am I in one year? Where am I expected to be? We've tried to answer those questions again to, to Brendan's point earlier. Go talk to somebody on your floor. Right. And ask them, what would you have liked to have known that maybe you didn't? Um, so I think there's, it's like you want to tell as much as possible in as few as words as possible. Um, totally. And, and again, that's where the marketers can really help. Um, yeah. Especially if they have a writing background, because we've all learned to like try to make every word count. Hmm. So what are some things that make a good job description stand out in your experience? I think, I think oh, no, ahead, you, no, you go. Oh, you I was go. just going to say, I mean, like, I think efficiency of those words is really important um, and accuracy. Like, don't conflate whatever the job is. Be truthful. It goes back to the transparency thing. Maybe that's just on my mind today. But like, you know, just put the cards on the table and and be honest about what it is that this job is. Like, I remember um, we, before we hired our current marketing designer, she came on as an intern. And one of the things that I loved about the job description is that it basically said, look, this job is grunt work. Like, if you're ready to come in here and work hard and get your hands dirty, this is the role for you. And I love that we captured that because that was the truth. Like it wasn't going to be a bunch of branding and like really, um, you know, for lack of a better term, it wasn't a particularly sexy job, but it was accurate. And I, I don't know. I think that helped us find the right person. Totally agree. And, and your goal when you're, it's not to get a ton of applicants. It's not to only get a few applicants. Looking at all of that is like incorrect. The the goal is to hire someone that's going to be with you for the amount of time that that makes sense for your industry. For our for our space, I mean, if somebody's at Gorilla for two three years, it that's a pretty good hire. We have a we're in a space where people turn over a lot. It's just a reality. Right. I hope they stay longer. For a machining company that, or a manufacturing company. It might be the rest of their life. It might be 10 years. It might be right. five years. I don't know what they're seeing right now, but the goal is to give exactly what Elise said. Like, don't try to make it sound like they're going to be doing something they're not just because you really want to get more applicants because in six months, they're just going to be gone. And then you're going exactly. through it all again. And the, and the cost of turnover, hopefully at this point, we all know it, but it is so high, um, right. so high. There's all sorts of different metrics on it. But when you just think of the time alone it takes to onboard someone to do the interviewing process, obviously different industries have different processes, but that turnover costs you so much money. So getting that getting that job description as accurate as possible as to what the actual job is like is is absolutely paramount in my in my opinion. Yeah, and I think. Elise's comment earlier about the check-ins that she's doing with new employees, like 30, 60, 90 days and feeding those insights back into future job postings. Like 
sometimes I think you assume like we got the right person because we did a really good job advertising this. Well, sometimes you get the right person because you got lucky. And once started, they realized, oh, there's this piece of this job that I love and I'm really good at that I wasn't expecting. And maybe that's what you need to have more front and center in your job description and on your careers page. Totally agree. How do you um, like percentage talk about like, you know, the company as a whole, what the job description, like the role of the, the job is, benefits of the job, responsibility. Like, how do you like, is there like a sweet spot, best practices for percentage wise of how much of the job description goes to each of those? Or is it kind of like, it can be, it depends. I have no idea. I, I, I think whatever feels right, yeah. um, which probably there's a much more scientific, better <laughs> answer out there. But I mean, honestly, like that's what you like, have some other people read it say, does this feel right? Does this feel like we're too self-serving to the the culture or are we not talking about the culture enough? Are we not getting into enough details of the day-to-day? Show it to the people who are currently in the role. Yeah, um, totally. I, I don't know. I mean, part of it would probably similar to the fish where the fish are. It's kind of this idea of like, know the challenges you're up against. If you're in a space that's just plagued with bad cultures and that being something that no one cares about and that's a major issue or something you've had issues with in the past, you probably need to give a little more love to that. Mm -hmm. Um, If your experience has been you're hiring people and you commonly get, well, I knew the culture was great, but I had no idea what the the actual job role was like. Well, that's probably a time to beef up the actual day-to-day description. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, at least would you say that, like, is that accurate? Do you think or? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think it's hard, right? Because like a classic HR answer is it depends, but it does. Like it all depends on the job. It all depends on the culture of your company. Um, I think one of the things that I really like about Gorilla in general, but also how we write our job descriptions is that they feel like us. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like... um, the the tenacity it takes to work here, the curiosity it takes to work here, the the level of like, um, I don't know. It captures like the warmth of the company really nicely. But we also have a really fantastic team of copywriters. So, you know, there's just all these things that I think we really benefit from that I recognize not everybody has that same um, access to... I don't know the, not everybody has the same access to resources. Um, you know, I think about like, I have a, I have a cousin who works, um, for a company that they, uh, grew to 150 people and did not have an HR person. And that just like, I wanted to die. I was like, what could go wrong? (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Um, so I don't know. It's tough building on that too. That's kind of related, kind of not, I, I think like a job description, Provided it's done in a way that, so I should give a little background. We basically keep all of our job descriptions, or all of our jobs are up at all times. We clearly delineate between which ones are open and which ones aren't. But I think as long as you're not doing in this in the middle of an open job cycle, like you need to keep the first person that applies needs to be having the same application as yeah. the last person for fairness. Absolutely. But in between those roles, that application can be a living and breathing thing. So we have this writer job open right now, 200, what, what, 276 or whatever I said in five days. And what do I know we need to do next time? 
I'm making that I'm making that application harder next time around. 100%. I'm going to make the questions more in depth. I'm going to now if we were only getting 10 applicants maybe that's again I want to keep what I said earlier. My our goal is to find the best person for like a long tenure here. So we're keeping that in mind still, but you know, I will allow myself to adjust what that application process is like. Maybe you get to a point where it's just way too difficult and you're keeping out some people who would really be interested. But what you have to remember is a lot of these people have been denied and they're they're frustrated. And I get it. Uh, but you know, they've had the door closed numerous times. So they're like, oh, screw it. Here's another 10 question application. I'm just gonna write C resume. Well, what if they have a really good answer there? So it's a balance for sure. So John, you brought up again that example of a job posting with the writer position we had open. And you had mentioned earlier that you put some paid promotion behind that. And I want to talk a little bit more about that. Do you automatically pay to promote um, job postings or is it something that is kind of more of a case-by-case basis? I would say 90% of the time for the past four to five years, we have put money behind them. Our one goal that we are working on, which again, this may or may not apply to people listening, is starting to build because we're getting so many applicants and because we can only choose one. Well, there's probably nine, 10, 11, maybe 20, I don't know, that could still be a good future fit. So our goal is to start building a, a pipeline of people for future opportunities. So maybe one day we don't have to put that money behind it. But to answer your question right now, like it is one of the first steps in our process, LinkedIn paid job postings. I've tried Instagram paid. It didn't work great for us. Maybe it'd be better now. I don't know. This was years back. Um, haven't done a lot on, we we actually used to do a decent amount on Facebook whenever we were only hiring locally. Mm-hmm. Um, I think probably for manufacturing companies, that could be a good place to, to look right. at how you could use Facebook to try to promote your culture, drive some jobs, et cetera. Uh, But yeah, I mean, right now it is still part of our process, but that is a part I'm hoping to phase out, not because of the cost, because I think for the writer job, it's one of the higher prices I've seen. It's basically 73 bucks a day. Um, But you get five days of that. Like I said, 270 some applications, 350 bucks to get that many applications. Sign me up all day long. Uh, I'll do it anytime. John, what do you think about, uh, at least two, what do you guys think about job boards like Indeed and some of these other ones? I Are you even posting the, are you posting? So ours automatically go from our HR tool that we use. They automatically publish to those places. Um, Those are being published under the free ones, right? You're not. Yes, I have not put any money behind those. I I think if I were in different industries, I would probably explore it. And maybe it's an area I should explore now. But right now, LinkedIn's driving so many good candidates for us. I haven't explored a lot. Yeah, I mean, this goes back to the fish thing, right? Uh, The pond (laughs) reference, right? Like probably go talk to some machinists or the people you're trying to hire, you know, 3D printers or, you know, foundry dudes. Like maybe go and figure out, you know, there's probably a local association too. Like if it's a union thing, obviously. Totally. Um, but yeah, so you might need to look at job boards, but it sounds like you are in favor of paid when it makes sense. Yeah. And I, I would be willing to bet that they are almost all on Facebook and or Instagram yeah. without a doubt. Hey, um, while we were just on that little tangent, I was thinking about... um another part of our conversation, I think having a good uh, applicant tracking system is one of the best things you can do. 
Yep. Like if you can find good software that makes it easy for people to apply to jobs at your firm, your agency, your manufacturing plant, like uh, one of the most frustrating things I experienced when I was looking for a job before I got my job with Gorilla was I would upload my resume and then I would have to enter all of the same information oh, in other fields. And it's like, okay, well then why did I spend time designing a resume and putting all that information in there if really what you want is for me to enter everything in manually anyway? Mm-hmm. It made it such an unpleasant experience. And then to also not get a phone call, like, you know, it's just. Well, and don't ask it. the same question twice, right? Yes, like our, exactly. Our application questions, I'll get a lot of people that they just default to C resume. And I get why, because they've gone through what Elise experienced. But when you look at our application questions, none of those are yes. answered by the resume. I'm not asking Correct. where, you know. Tell me your work history. Uh, like, I'm not right. asking those things. I'm asking like more conceptual things. Mm-hmm. Again, yeah. totally different space. But don't ask the same things twice. It's just mm-hmm. a, that's a bad experience for an applicant. Right. It leaves a bad taste in their mouth. And then like if that's reflective of the culture that you're building, it's like, oh, OK, well, great. Now I'm going to have to answer everything twice and fill out all this paperwork a thousand times. And it's just like, I don't know. That's the first touch point that someone has with your company. And if you can make that smooth and easy... Why not? Yeah. Like, just do it. Figure, preach, Elise. Fi- preach. I will do it all day long. Let me just stand on my little soapbox. <laughs> do you guys have any other, um, you know, maybe off the top of your head, any other creative promotion strategies for manufacturing companies to find applicants? It's what kind of hinted at earlier, but win your own people over internally. They're going to be yes. the best, best drivers of... You know, whenever I see someone from Gorilla post, like uh, we had a writer just do it recently where he said, I, I didn't ask him. He just said, hey, we're hiring. This is a great place to work. Here's what my experience has been like so far, yes. et cetera. Like that is gasoline on a fire. Mm-hmm. Uh, Grace did it whenever we hired for a strategist recently. I mean, a lot of people did, but that was that was one of the ones I remember referenced a lot where people were like, I've been following Grace online for a while. She's speaking highly of this company. I got to get in the door here. That's how I got my job here was because of uh, organic Matt. from Matt. Yeah, yeah. So I think now that that one takes some time. Um, that's like trying to, it's like a politician trying to solve uh, poverty or education in a four-year term. It's not going to happen. Like right. you got to you gotta do things to make your people feel like you care about them. Yeah. But the the long-term play is just, that. that's what you want. Um, John, you'll love this, but it makes me think of, um, I was in an improv class yesterday and we were talking about how we build with bricks. We don't build cathedrals. Like you're doing it one step at a time. Yeah. And I was thinking about that earlier to another part of our conversation. Like your culture at Gorilla is not what it is because I work here. Culture is what it is at Gorilla because every employee feels, um, supported and, you know, like it's, um, I don't know. It's it's the web that you weave. It's yeah. not one person or a group of people. It becomes the entire ecosystem. And that's how you make good hires. Yep. Because the people that work there are, they're the megaphone. And if your people also see you, to- not tolerating, that makes it sound, I, I don't <laughs> want to make it sound like that, but like you got to get, you got to get rid of the bad people too. Because yeah. your people are watching and yeah. they only feel as talented as the people they're surrounded by. Totally. So whenever you have someone that's really dragging everybody else down and you just continue to put up with it and put up with it, mm-hmm. it, it that's dangerous. Um, I, I, I Obviously, you want to try to help people. You want to try to correct things if you can correct them. 
But again, a non-traditional tactic, but I think people want to see competent people running businesses. Those are the things that are going to get them excited, um, are going to get them wanting to share things online about how great it is where they work. So you kind of have to look at all those different elements. So one thing, this is probably more traditional approach, but the cool thing with manufacturing, especially or hiring um, for an in-person role, you can really lean on a lot of out of home marketing too, right? We're talking about like billboards and signs and that sort of thing too. So what's cool, like one thing on the digital side you can do is if you're running a Facebook ad, you can just put in your address under the targeting and then set a bubble. You know, if, if most people on average are commuting 30 minutes to get to work, you can put it in a 30 minute time or maybe a, you know, mileage. So maybe you're looking at a 20 mile radius from the front door of your building and then target those people. Um, you can do that. Or another thing you could do, I'm I'm assuming HR knows where everybody in the company lives. So kind of just do a little analysis on where do people live and then put some billboards or some signs up on the routes that they take to get to work uh, every day. Yep. Or I I mean, I've heard of people and and different business owners are going to, I don't know how I would stand stand for this actually, or if I would do it, but it's an interesting tactic. I've seen, I've heard of manufacturers putting billboards right outside of their competitors' workplaces. Oh, yeah. And hey, we're hiring, and here's what we pay <laughs> per hour. So, yeah. and and you it's kind an of look at version it like, of competitive Google ads. Yeah, and if that yeah. person wants to keep their people, well, then they better pay well too. I mean, they better right. have a good experience. So or we start I, a billboard war. A billboard Ooh. war. Yeah. <laughs> Go super old school. <laughs> um, I, you know, I I also think there are instances where you could go even. I mean, I think you kind of have, again, you have to know who your target is and what they care about. Um, Small community, it might make sense to still run some old newspaper. I mean, it just An event at the local VFW. Exactly. I mean, these things can all- the high school. The high school, exactly. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, the local tech college. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, Yeah, I mean, yeah, worked out like career fairs kind of do work, like- that's where, you know, all these students are graduating. They're going to the career fair. Well, and then right. if you really want to go the next level of what does your organization look like 10, 15, 20 years from now? Um, I always want to be sensitive to this because I'm not one for like, let's try to convince children a certain mindset. Like, I don't agree with that. You're not talking but, about ads on YouTube kids. Well, I'm not saying that, but like, <laughs> why not? go into the local schools and tell them about machining. I mean, I can tell you that the firefighters are going in and the police officers and every other doctors. And yeah, I'm going in on veterans day. Yeah. Veterans. So why why aren't we learning at a young age? I was listening to a a podcast a couple of months ago and it was, there was like a thank a machinist. It was like machining week or something. And essentially they brought up the fact that everything in our lives somehow ties back to manufacturing, even yeah. food, yeah. because of the farm equipment that has. Yeah. So why are we not familiar with these jobs? Yeah. Like, and and it's because we're just assuming that that people don't care, I guess. Um, well, I'm okay. Now we can start talking about maybe mm-hmm. bigger, bigger policy, but I mean, there is higher education places that are convincing counselors and everybody to bring the kids into the pipeline of college, right? Exactly. Not a lot of people doing that on the trade side. Um, and if you want to be machining in 15, 20 years from now, you might want to think about who's going to be working at your place 15, 20 years from now, doing what the higher education folks are doing or the recruiters for the army are doing. Right. Exactly. We could talk for a long time. 
Yeah, we could. We have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> of course. But I think the moral of the story is, you know, a lot of what you need to do to attract good talent is what you're already doing as a marketer. It's just a different audience, yeah. different message. So really appreciated this conversation today. Um, Brendan, what do we need to talk about? What do we need to plug before we wrap up today? Um, I think first thing, we probably should do another one of these to talk about how to get a, ma- a marketing job because this was fun. Let's Ooh, do it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, what do we need to plug? Okay. So we have uh, IML. I think we're talking product videos coming up. Um, this actually episode might be out when we do that. So, but we have a, a couple more really great episodes coming up for the rest of the year. And we're just starting planning uh, for Q1 of 24. So make sure you go to industrialmarketinglive.com to register for that event. And Aaron, how about you hit them with the uh, IML Slack info? Yeah. So if you want to join our Slack community, it's basically just constantly having conversations like this one, industrial marketers asking each other questions. Brennan and I are in there answering things. Um, if you want to join, just find either one of us on LinkedIn. Yeah, I will say, it's not just Brendan and Aaron. There's like 250 <laughs> other marketers that are oh, really yeah. good jobs that are talking about marketing too. So it's not just listening to... Oh, and Elise, when we're looking for marketers, where's one of the first places we look? Um, the Industrial Marketing Live Slack <laughs> channel. Oh, I was man. like, this should be a gimme, but yeah. I am over here at the end of the day uh, feeling under-caffeinated. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, seriously, though, that's one of the first places I look in. Yeah. And obviously, we're not going to try to I always just share our our postings there, but it's a it's a great community. Mm-hmm. And we also have we we alluded to it, uh, talked briefly about John's podcast. But do you want to just give a quick like 10 yeah, it's promo for it? The manufacturing employer. We essentially talk all things related to hiring and culture in the manufacturing space. As you can tell, I am not an expert in this space. But the people I have on are, and I'm slowly learning more and more and more about, about hiring in this space. So yeah, come check it out. We'll figure out how to put a link to that, John, in the description. And marketers, share that with your HR folks. It uh, might uh, might be helpful for them. Uh, Elise, how can people like hear what you're talking about? Oh, um, you can find me on LinkedIn. I try to post uh, kind of regularly. Um, I talk about culture at Gorilla. I talk about my own experiences with... Um, my atypical background and human resources. And um, I talk a lot about why I love my job. So if you want to hear me gas up Gorilla, follow me on LinkedIn. Cool. Aaron, I think that's it. Awesome. Well, good combo. And we'll see you guys uh, next time. Yeah, this is super fun. Thanks, y'all. All right. Bye.